Welcome back to the Village Health Podcast. Today, we're talking about a hot topic in the health world, intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting, I don't even know if you could really count it fasting. I mean, really fasting just means you're not eating. So, you know, are you uh, fasting in between bites of food when you're eating? Technically, sure. (laughs) Anyway, the first meal of the day, breakfast. It's called breakfast because you're breaking your fast. So you weren't eating while you were sleeping. I hope you weren't. That'd be, there's probably some sort of sleep disorder where you are, but you're breaking that fast. So what we're really talking about isn't fasting like for days at a time and you know religious fasting or this, that. It's really just about how do you time how you eat? And since we're used to eating in our culture, whenever we feel like it, and often every hour or two hours from the time we wake up to when we go to bed, and sometimes right before we go to bed, any longer length of time than that kind of seems like fasting. So how do we time food? How do we space things out? What's the optimum way to do that to maximize the absorption of our nutrients, minimize any kind of digestive problems, and maximize our energy? It's a broad question. (laughs) <laughs> but I would love to, to dive into it and, and answer it. Um, so I think the big concern for a lot of people and the, the reason that they start intermittent fasting is probably to lose weight. Like they, they want to lose weight and they hear that, oh, if you, if you eat less meals per day, you'll eat fewer calories. And well, that may be true, but in reality, fasting helps you to transition more towards a uh, fat-burning metabolism as opposed to one that burns carbs. If you have further questions about fat versus carb metabolism, I would really encourage you to listen to our podcast on eating healthy fats and controlling carbs, which were a little bit earlier, a couple months. So anyways, now, in order to start intermittent fasting, the biggest mistake you could make is to just jump right in and go an entire 24 hours or longer without eating food. The key is to start small. So if you normally have breakfast at six and have your dinner at seven or eight o'clock, you know, your fasting window is already like 10 hours, let's say. So if you finish eating at eight at night, you don't eat until the next morning at six. That's, that's 10 hours, right? Am I doing my math right? Okay. So, so that would mean that you're eating for 14 hours. You have a 14 hour eating window and a 10 hour fasting window. Exactly. And that's really the easiest fasting window to change because you're already asleep for most of it, hopefully. So by not having that after dinner snack or that dessert or that thing before you go to bed and just stopping at dinner, you're already making a huge step forward. And then when it comes to breakfast, if instead of eating the second that you wake up because you think that you need to kickstart your metabolism, you wait a little while, even till mid-morning, you will do a whole lot to extend that fasting window between your last meal and your breakfast, the meal where you break your fast. And it's really in that time period where if you're gonna lose weight or if your body is going to burn fat that's on your body, that's when it's gonna happen because that's the time when you don't have food already in your system. Yeah, so how would you counsel someone that says, hey, I wanna, I wanna start doing this intermittent fasting thing. I wanna lose 20 pounds over the next six months. Where do I start and how do I progress? Right, well, the first place to start is going to be with the 
just the overall quality of the foods that you're eating. If you want to make things a lot easier for yourself, eliminate all of the garbage, all the vegetable oils, the trans fats from the stuff that we've talked about in those other podcasts and add in healthy fats and better foods. That will just make everything so much easier because what your body is doing when you're not putting food in it is using, well, what's already in your body. So if what's in your body is well-sourced and healthy and nutritious, that's going to prevent you from getting a lot of the, the headaches and the nausea and the other symptoms that people go through when their body just starts processing a bunch of garbage that makes up their tissues. Yeah, intermittent fasting will never get easy if you're eating a ton of carbs at your meals that you're eating and vegetable oil because you'll have dysfunctional fuel and a dysfunctional metabolism. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that it it isn't still helpful. Sure, yeah. If you only had, like if you were just stuck on some island and all you had were Twinkies, <laughs> you would still be better off eating those Twinkies in a certain time window and then fasting in between versus just eating one every hour. But again, you probably aren't stuck on an island with nothing but Twinkies and you probably have access to some really great foods and you probably can read labels and get rid of some of the garbage and it'll just make things so much easier. So that's the first thing. Just make it easy on yourself. Get rid of some of the garbage, put in some healthy fats, start eating an avocado every day and that'll already make the process a lot faster. The second thing, like we talked about a moment ago, is taking advantage of that time window between dinner and breakfast where you are already sleeping through a lot of it. And then the third thing would be to stop snacking. Yeah, so snacks break fasts. And the more often we snack, especially if those snacks contain carbs, the more often we spike the hormone insulin within our bodies. And the frequency of spiking insulin has been connected to early aging and obviously weight gain. So the less often you can spike your insulin levels, the healthier you're going to be, the younger you're going to feel, and the more you're going to be longevitous. Exactly. The digestive system has a circadian rhythm, just like your sleep cycle. And you can imagine how crummy you would feel if you slept for eight hours, but those eight hours were just a half hour every other hour, or whatever the math ends up being. <laughs> you're gonna do much better if those eight hours are all continuous with no interruptions. And it's not so different with eating. If you can shorten the eating window and condense it, just like you would with sleep, then you're gonna feel so much better and get so much more out of that food than if you were taking you know, 20 naps every day. Yeah, and so if I was counseling someone that how to get started with this fasting thing, I would say, okay, now push your breakfast maybe three days a week from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Try that for a couple weeks, get it to the point where it's sustainable, and then push from 8 a.m. to 10. And then push from 10 to noon. And now you're only having two meals a day, so lunch and then dinner, whenever that is, seven or eight, whatever this person decided. And get to the point where that's sustainable, whether you're doing that every day or just you know three days a week, something like that. And then get to the point where you can actually skip breakfast, lunch, and only have dinner. That would be the, the onboarding process that I would take someone through. Get to the point where you can maybe two to three days a week skip breakfast, lunch, and just have dinner. So you're going like 24 hours between meals. And what you're doing is you're forcing your body to rely on fat for fuel, and you're giving yourself time to adapt and kind of slowly get used to that process so that it's not quite as painful. 
So let's talk about two different types of people. Most people that I see do something like this are tremendously successful with it. They can't stop talking about how they've lost weight, they have all this energy, they have extra time on their hands. But there are some other people who have had really bad experiences with it. And those are people who have completely just crashed into this thing. They're really bad sleepers, they're eating tons of garbage, they're used to all kinds of junk foods all throughout their day. And so they're very metabolically unhealthy. They're kind of already a train wreck. And then all of a sudden, they rip off the Band-Aid that's been sort of holding things together. And what often happens is that that type of person might get really sick. They might experience some flu-like symptoms. Uh, they might completely crash in energy and spend a day in bed. But here's something that's interesting. The people who experience that and then give up well, they just go back to how things were, usually a bit more cynically. But there are some people who've done something like that, and then they just decided, well, it's just gonna be hard, and I'll just keep trying, and I'll just keep going. And they get through it. And they do get through it, Yeah, exactly. And a lot of those people end up being much healthier for it. But we're not recommending you torture yourself with that. <laughs> we're generally against having to use vast amounts of willpower to make nutritional changes or sustain them and we're definitely against having to get really sick or be stuck in bed or stuck in the bathroom or who knows what, which is why we say start to make changes in what you're eating and then start to make very slow changes in the timing of how you're eating it and be mindful the whole time. Realize that there's always going to be some variability depending on what your day or your week or the, the season of life demands and be patient. But over time, if you make those little changes, they will accumulate, and before you know it, things will be very different, and you'll be much more metabolically flexible and on your way to lots more energy and a much healthier weight. Awesome. I think that gives people enough to, to start working off of, so we're going to wrap it up right here. Until next time, this is the Village Health Podcast. <laughs>